you sure you're ready? Yeah. Really? Am I going to get toned this early in the program? Yes, you are, because, well, oh, I'll be there at such and such time. 13 minutes later, here she I'm is. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I hate being late. I don't think she's sorry. Better late than pregnant. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's a Golden Girls line. I totally stole that. <laughs> oh, and I was just bemoaning the fact that I was sharpening my pencil, and frankly, it has turned into a weapon. Yeah, it looks a little crooked, too. I really don't know. It was one of those old school you know, hand crank kind of things. Yeah. Wow. Yes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am just fine. That is fantastic. It's something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Okay. Happy weekend. Not yet. Oh. Not yet. So normally to all of our listener, (laughs) you remember that we record and drop on Fridays, keeping with the, you know, weekendy kind of theme of our parent company. It's our vibe. However, today we're doing something a little bit different. You may also be familiar with the fact that in one episode we say what we're going to talk about in the next episode and then we seldom ever seem to talk about that. Right, we lie. So we're keeping that theme going as well. Today is Veterans Day. It's Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Yes. And we have decided that instead of talking about what we were going to talk about, We're going to talk about veterans and uh, also talk about some challenges veterans face. But before that, before we get to it, how was your week? It was good. How about you? My week was fine. Did you do anything fun? Nope. Just work. Got a lot of work done. You had a birthday last weekend. Oh, yeah. That was something. Yeah. What did your co-host from your podcast (laughs) give you? A beautiful Hello Kitty business card holder. Because nothing says, hire me, I'm a professional, like a big giant Hello Kitty in your business card case. I also got her some crayons and a nice book. Right. And when I wear my hair in piggy tails, I look really cute. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Oh, so what else did you do? Not much. I got to spend time with my mom, which was amazing. Excellent. We I watched got... Only Murders in the Building, and she thinks that that's very fun. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, I'm just re-watching uh, it with her. I'm sorry. Did that At that time, did you watch the whole thing with no. her? No. You just started it with her? Well, we're kind of in the middle. I think we have two episodes left. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Very did you good. ever finish it? I have not finished it Oh, my it God. It's so funny. It is. It's great. I just have not gotten back to it. I wish I could say it's because, you know, Stephanie, I'm busy with all of my civic endeavors as well as my work. Right. But really, I've kind of gotten hooked on Castle on Hulu. So that's been consuming. I love that show. That's been consuming a lot of my time in the evening. How was your week? My week was just fine. I'm trying to think. Did I do anything other than this pencil sharpening thing? Oh, I know one thing that I did. Did I do anything other than the pencil sharpening thing? I know one thing that I did that I've yet to get any credit for at all. What? Our last episode had music. Oh, I know. It was so exciting. Not only at the beginning, but also at the end. However, I have to apologize to everybody because I don't know how really to turn the volume down on that music. So those of you who have lost significant hearing in one or both ears, we're sorry. Yes. We apologize profusely. I'm sorry. We apologize. (laughs) So. All right. All right. Well, we've discussed our boring lives. Right. You know, the one that highlights pencil sharpening. Well, and I tell you, we do this, folks. We do it for you so that you can feel better about your own lives. Right. We're the Jerry Springer of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, we mean I'm going to throw a chair at her any minute now. Yeah, that's fair. So, very good. Where do you want to start at? 
Well, um, this is kind of your topic, so I'm going to let you start, and I will jump in when I feel I have anything relevant to okay. say. Okay. Now, I have to ask, you know, we talked about uh, several weeks ago, we gave a nod to problem-solving courts, and right. one of those courts that we talked about was a veterans court. That's correct. Do you have familiarity? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. So this, uh, where I'm going to start at here, um, I, I think you'll be able to jump in really at any time, and I think it would be invaluable for our listeners to hear your experiences in veterans court. Um, But I want to start with a few statistics. There are 1.3 million full-time and 800,000 reservists serving in the uniformed services of the United States. We also have about 19 million veterans. And since the birth of our nation, we've had over 40 million people who have served and 1.1 million who gave what Abraham Lincoln called the last full measure of devotion. Um, Over the last few decades, we have seen support for our veterans increase dramatically. Um, I I think for many of us, we can remember the news stories of how veterans were treated coming out of the Vietnam War and the the stark contrast to how veterans are treated today by the public. Unfortunately, though, our government, I think, is not doing enough for our veterans um, because of those 19 million veterans, about 37,200 of them are homeless and a staggering 1.4 million more on the precipice of homelessness. So that's where I want to start today Mm -hmm. is talking about the, um, whether it's homelessness, the food insecurity, or the the general plight of veterans and what resources they really truly have available to them. So I think now would be a good time for you to maybe, if you could, share some of your experiences from Veterans Court. Sure. Before I get into Veterans Court, when I was um, working at one of my jobs in Las Vegas, I was the outreach coordinator for U.S. Vets, which is the homeless vets shelter in Las Vegas. And what I would do is a lot of times um, veterans would come into that situation of homelessness where they would have outstanding warrants in any number of jurisdictions. A lot of them were from Nevada, so we could take care of that pretty easily. Um, Some of them were from out of state, so we would try to coordinate services where their bench warrants could get quashed so that they wouldn't have that hanging over their heads anymore. And and a bench warrant for our listeners who maybe are not familiar with either having warrants issued against them or representing (laughs) people who have warrants. It means that at some point in time, either you've had like a ticket or um, some contact with law enforcement that you had a court date for and ultimately you missed, or you had some requirements that you had agreed to as part of your contact with the criminal justice system that you have not fulfilled. Whether it was a plea agreement or a diversion agreement or something along those lines. Okay. That was, I've worked with homeless people who had housing insecurity through the U.S. vets. And um, eventually a lot of them would get funneled into veterans court when that was actually established in Las Vegas. And it was just a court that was dedicated to helping those individuals get the resources that they would need in order to prevent situations that caused them to have negative, uh, negative contact with law enforcement. Like, We would get people who had um, some drug and alcohol addiction issues into counseling for an addiction. Uh, People who had mental health issues that were untreated, we would steer them into 
a, a mental health provider, that type of thing. So it didn't mitigate what they had done, but we gave them the tools like you would in any specialty court to try to uh, get in a place where this wasn't going to happen anymore. And, and as a reminder, that those specialty courts help us to get away from this one-size-fits-all approach to reducing recidivism rates. Um, one of the things when we talk about the plight of some veterans, um, in addition to that 1.4 million who are at risk of homelessness, uh, there are about 5% of our veterans who receive food stamp assistance and an estimated 25% to be receiving assistance through community organizations. And then out of about 2.37 million homes that have at least one veteran living there, are also seeking similar types of assistance. And when we look at what some of those root causes are, it could be anything from poor support networks, substandard living conditions, um, and just homelessness due to poverty, inability to gain or maintain employment, and the underlying causes there. Certainly, when we look, I think it's really easy to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, drugs are a problem, alcohol's a problem. Sure, that may be, but those are symptoms Right. Not necessarily the root causes. And one of the most significant causes of some of those other negative, uh, negative actions is undiagnosed, untreated mental health issues, which include, and I cannot even begin to imagine, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Um, you know, PTSD for... for there are professionals who listen to us who could do a much better job of defining it than I can. Um, but the, the trauma component has a, a significant subjective component to it. Mm -hmm. You nor I get to judge somebody else's experience and decide whether or not that was traumatic. Two people can experience the same event. One can walk away unscathed. The other can be traumatized by it. That's just day-to-day -day life. Now, imagine being in an environment where you're watching people blow up, where you're, you're having to take lives. I can't begin to imagine the type of trauma experienced there. So let's let that be our baseline for some of the folks that, uh, that, that are in desperate need of help. Well, can you talk about, since you're on a roll, can you talk about how PTSD, what kind of symptoms come about when people have PTSD? Well, one of the, I, I don't I think that the symptoms or kind of run the gambit, but one of the things that, um, that mental health professionals attempt to do with PTSD is to help the person remember the event without having to relive the event. Mm -hmm. So from, from the perspective of trauma, what's happening is, is, is that inability to process it all the way through, and, and as I like to say colloquially, put it in a right-sized box, throw it up on the shelf, and not have to go look at it again. Um, whereas opposed to, and this really goes to any sort of trauma, to any sort of mental health, if we're not dealing, if we're not processing those issues down to size, we tend to put them in a box that they're way too, way too big for. Mm -hmm. We strap it with tape, we tie it with, with rope, and we throw it up on the shelf, and it rattles around up there. And then what happens is, is that eventually it falls off that shelf in your mind, it breaks open, and that would generally happen at the worst possible time. Right. A lot of times, um, one of the things that I have experienced and have seen with PTSD is people tend to go into either fight or flight mode. Sometimes, you know, you watch those, what people are, and some of them are just jaw dropping, but Karen videos on social media. And 
occasionally one will come up and you can tell that that is somebody, if you know what to look for, that is someone who's actually having a PTSD episode and they're responding in not the flight mode, but the fight mode. So that's one way that PTSD comes up. And sometimes it comes out when you're in the fight mode in violence and people end up getting misperceiving the threat of the situation and end up, you know, having a physical altercation with someone. And, and when we talk about reliving that trauma, imagine one of the absolute worst events that you could possibly imagine, and then imagine being a part of it and having to relive it over and over and over again, never being able to process through it. And I think there you can start to understand uh, those mental health issues, maybe through a little broader lens. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that is is deeply concerning though is the fact that those homelessness numbers tend to stay relatively stagnant so um, the numbers that i read to you were from a 2020 homelessness study and uh, prior to that the information that i had was three years old and we had only reduced the number of homeless veterans by about three thousand And the concern that I have is, did we really reduce them? Did we find homes? Did we get some stability and security there? Or have we completely lost track of them? Mm -hmm. Or have they died? So again, not trying to be a downer, but it is is Veterans Day and we wanna give a nod to veterans, but we also want to, um, we also want to bring to light what some of the issues are that are affecting our veterans and the fact that I think we can do better. Mm-hmm. So some of the other issues and, and one where I want to spend a little bit of time is talking also about the suicide rates of veterans versus the suicide rates of non-veterans. So run through a, a few statistics from a 2019 VA National Veterans Suicide Prevention Report. Female veteran suicide is 2.2 times higher than non-veteran females. Male veteran suicide is 1.3 times higher than non-veteran males. And unsurprisingly, male veterans aged 18 to 34 experience the highest rate of suicide, while male veterans aged 55 and over experience the highest count of suicide. So in 2005, suicide rate among active duty and veteran members was 23.9 per 100,000 compared to the non-veteran rate of 14 per 100,000. And in 2017, that suicide rate escalated to 31 per 100,000 for active duty and veteran service members. And then the veteran only suicide rate, I'm sorry, the active duty only suicide rate of 29 per 100,000 in 2020 compared to the veteran slash active duty of 27.5 per 100,000 to, you know, we've, we've all probably tired of hearing the word pandemic, but I think when we look at these numbers, when we look at these statistics, I think it's fair to say that suicide in general and certainly suicide among our veterans and our uniformed service members has reached pandemic levels. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your experience? You know, you talked about a program that you were involved in um, in Las Vegas, and just in the, the the couple of times that I've been there over the course of the last several months, I noticed a lot of homelessness visible that we 
simply just don't see here, right? Um, which which has nothing to do with the fact that our community isn't experiencing those things. It's just not as visible. Yeah. So what were some of the things that, that were happening in the organization that you were a part of? At U.S. Vets in Las Vegas at the time, they did uh, vocational training. They helped get people um, like resume skills. There was a whole closet of clothes that they could use to go to interviews. They would transport them to their interviews. They would transport them to the VA. So they were really trying to get them established and back on their feet so that they wouldn't need those kinds of resources any longer. They had a lot of uh, group meetings, uh, group support for people who had different issues. And it was a whole person approach to trying to get them back on their feet to where they could live independently and live productively. So, you know, when we when we look at what some of the other services are that are available to veterans, obviously we know that we have VA hospitals scattered throughout the United States, and I don't think it's a secret to anybody that that system has been flawed. But, you know, I hear real like wildly divergent accounts of VA treatment. Frequently, it depends on where you're at. Right. So it depends on how the hospitals run to a certain extent, but it's also how frequently the hospital is overrun. Mm -hmm. So when it can no longer serve its population, and you hear stories in some instances, uh, particularly in our area, veterans waiting for emergency services, four, six, eight hours, some just leaving, Mm -hmm. self-selecting out of that system. Um, Basically, what you have is is you have an underfunded system that is not getting the attention that it deserves from Congress. It seems that we spend, and this this isn't a partisan statement, it seems that we spend a lot of time discussing about, discussing the defense budget and what goes in the defense budget and the size of the defense budget versus the size of the rest of the United States budget. And it is absolutely jaw-droppingly, stunningly crushing that we have veterans who have to wait for anything, anytime, anywhere. This should be the most well-funded, well-served, and tip-top shape of the line that we do. No questions asked. Oh, I absolutely agree. You know, first of all, let me go and answer your question. I just did a quick look. For fiscal year 2022, the VA is requesting $269.9 billion, and that's for the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. So that's that's a, a, a cabinet-level position, and that is a separate department. So it does not come out of the defense budget. Okay, so compared to the... <laughs> You, you gave some numbers earlier. You said that there were how many veterans in the country right now? Um, total number of veterans in the country, around 19 million. Okay. And then you said the active duty and reserves were what? Uh, 1.4 million and about 800,000 respect. 1.3 million, I'm sorry, and about 800,000 reservists. So we have roughly 15 times more veterans than we do active duty military. Is that right? Right. Okay. So the budget should account for that. And what's the size of the United States defense budget? Well, I was just looking that up, what the 2022 request was, and it appears to be about $753 billion. Okay. So it's infinity. It just seems like 
we are being short-sighted in not allocating more money for the the veterans. I absolutely agree. And when you look at some of these statistics, when we talk about um, the number of veterans who are nearing homelessness, the number of veterans who are homeless, clearly there's more that we can do. When we have 1.4 million uh, of our veterans nearing homelessness and then um, 37,200 of them homeless, I, I think we could do better. And, and one of the things that I find frustrating, we've got to stop looking at this through that narrow aperture of politics, and we need to look at it through that broader lens of humanity. Right. These are people who we ask and who without question... They volunteer. Right. We don't have the draft anymore. No, but in addition, we ask them to go and to chase monsters in faraway places, and they do it. Mm -hmm. And they, every day, are fighting to defend your and my right to have this podcast, people's right to elect their own officials, um, a, a disproportionate number of people's right to bitch about anything and everything on social media. Right. And, you know. Enjoy that. God bless America. <laughs> and, you know, our, our freedom of religion and our, our freedom to come together. And all, there's just so many things that we take for granted. Peace is not cheap. It's not mm -mm. free. Nope. Um, and, 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 you know, we have to send people all across the globe. And I can't. I can't even recall the total number of times where I have seen the response to countries in need when that flag of the United States appears. Um, not to mention the number of times where violence was bestowed because that flag appeared. And the fact that, that these young people, these young men and women, are willingly putting themselves in harm's way. And in some instances, I argue that it's less willing than it is out of absolute necessity because there are just simply no other options available. Mm -hmm. um, looking, uh, kind of going on into the, the suicide rates among veterans and um, how alarming that is, let me put a little finer point on it. 17.6 veterans die by suicide every single day. If that doesn't sound like a pandemic, I don't know what does. And the fact that we are not running around with our hair on fire to solve this problem is absolutely astonishing to me. The amount of creativity, the amount of problem solving that we lose with every death by suicide, much less every veteran death by suicide, ought to cause us to rise up and demand better for our veterans. So one of the things that we've talked about on a previous episode is the impact of local elections. Now, people voting at the local level doesn't do anything for these policies that are strictly federal. So how, I mean, the only thing we can do is put pressure on our elected officials in these circumstances. How, what do you think the best way to do that is? Well, there are, I mean, there's any number of ways. The first thing that I would say, though, is, is, is that let's not discount what our local elected officials can do. Frequently, our local elected officials have the ear of higher elected officials. They, they, tend, to, they tend to travel in some similar circles that, gives them, that give them exposure. Um, one of the things, though, that, that we, both Stephanie and I, are encouraging our listeners to do is to reach out to your elected officials and let your opinion be known. Um, if you're not sure 
who your elected officials are in your area, just go to usa.gov elected officials and you can search for who your uh, congressional representatives are. It'll also help you to find your, your, some of your state officials as well. And I wasn't trying to, like, poo-poo the importance of local officials. I just meant in terms of allocating money. This oh, is absolutely. a federal – this is just the feds. No. There's nothing anybody on a local level can do in terms of getting money. Absolutely. But one of the things – and I understood that. I just wanted to, to clarify, though, because a lot of people, that local elected official may be the only person they know how to get a hold of. And those folks, in my experience, we know how to get a hold of the right people. Yeah. We know how to, um, we know who to call or what the, the local or regional offices are for, for our elected officials, federal elected officials in our area. I want to cover a couple of things and then we're going to probably jump off into a topic that's maybe not quite as heady. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, for veterans, you may contact the Veterans Crisis Line and receive free confidential support and crisis intervention. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year at 1-800-273-8255. Just press option one, or you can text 838-255 or chat online at veteranscrisisline.net slash chat. Some other resources that I want to remind everybody of, whether it's veterans or non-veterans, if you or someone you know is in crisis, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, or you can text HOME to 741-741, or visit speakingofsuicide.com slash resources for help. All of these resources are available not only for somebody who's in crisis, but for somebody who is worried about someone who may be in crisis. Are we going to put those in the show notes so people can have access to them? I will absolutely make sure that we do that. Um, one, of the, one of the interesting things is about suicide is, is there's this stigma that says, well, let's not talk about it. We don't want to give people the idea if they didn't have it. And what we've learned over time is, is folks, they already have the idea. And what we need to do is educate ourselves as to what it is that we need to look for and understand how we might be able to help. Any of those numbers that we've given you are, again, are available not only to a person who's in crisis, but to the people who care about them, who know, who know them, um, who suspect that they might be in crisis. So you cannot be afraid to have the conversation. You can't be afraid to pick up the phone and get some help. All right. With that, we're going to move off the... the well, I just want to give a special nod to my favorite veteran, your son, Justin. <laughs> my son, Justin, and my father. Are oh, that's right. I forgot. Both. I have several. I have several, actually, um, favorite veterans. And I would give a nod to the men and women that my son served with, many of whom are still serving, um, and some of them who I have... Uh, had the privilege to get to know over his tour in the Marines. A couple of years ago, the Marine Corps Commandant, then David Berger, wrote to his Marines, quote, I need every Marine out there. We can't afford to lose a single Marine or sailor. Take care of each other. When you become a part of the Navy Marine Corps team, every member of the team matters. We must view asking for help as a normal, smart decision, not a sign of weakness, end quote. I could not agree more. Yes, there is nothing wrong with asking for help. And that comes 
everywhere. Right. That goes for all of you. And it doesn't matter whether it's mental health help or financial help or you just need basic help with where to go or, or how to find answers to, to questions. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help. It's the smart person that knows that, uh, that they need help. And again, if you have a loved one or a friend who you think is bordering on crisis, you can't be afraid to ask for help either. That's right. All right. What are we moving on to next? I think we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> so we're lightening it up just a little bit now. Also, at the end of the show, I'm going to give you those numbers again. And Excellent. I definitely capitalize on Stephanie's tip to put these in our show notes. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I don't know, Margot. <laughs> It is a family classic. I, at one point in time, had an uncle who was the sole proprietor of a worm farm. So it is just, it just hits a little different. (laughs) Just hits a little different when that white trash is just right there. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. You know, it's, it's hard for me to, um, to come up with a favorite because there's so many of them. And as, as Stephanie and anybody else who knows me well knows, um, I am a huge, huge. He loves the Christmas. Huge Christmas nut. I love the season, um, and and really everything about it. Um, I probably, if I absolutely had to pick, if you cornered me and demanded that I pick, I would have to say it is the, um, and I think it's 1951 version of Charles Dickens' uh, A Christmas Carol, and that starred Alistair Sim. Yeah, you said that last time. I did, and it is just, it's an, I think, an absolutely wonderful adaptation. I think that it hits a lot of what Dickens was trying to get across without so much of a commercial approach. It didn't have a lot of eye candy in it because in 1951, you just didn't have a lot of special effects. Right. It's black Um, and white, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I have. And my recollection is is that it's a fairly short movie. If it's if it's an hour and a half, I'd be surprised. Um, but it, it goes through it goes through the Dickens classic, and it really is an attention getter. And, and of course, Alistair Sim is just phenomenal in it. Um, if I had to go for a more fun movie, it would absolutely be Scrooge. Oh, with Bill Murray? Yep. I don't care about me, Frank, but go easy on the Bacardi. That's what it was. <laughs> John Forsythe as, uh, as the, uh, the deceased network president. Um, you had, I, I think, let's see, uh, who else was in there? I don't remember because I've only seen that movie like once. I don't like... That's fine. I don't like those because the whole ghost's scare me and i obviously i'm I'm not like i'm scared of ghosts you put it in coffee it's the (laughs) it's the like being haunted by things that you do i try to live my life so that i am not haunted by things that i do (laughs) just because of that carol kane karen allen uh, robert mitchum and uh, carol kane was who i was trying to think of is so good in everything she does just hilarious and uh, i was trying to think oh alfrey woodward was in uh woodard rather was in it in any case what are some of your other favorites well i contend that die hard is a christmas movie and i know that this is a source of contention amongst some but I think that Die Hard is one of the better action movies that has been made. And I enjoy it as a Christmas movie. 
Oh, I would. I would agree. I think it's a, I don't know that I would call it a Christmas classic. No. Um, I will say I absolutely loved it when that guy Ellis got shot. (laughs) (laughs) Super annoying. Yeah. Hans, baby. Hans, booby. (laughs) And he's like, Ellis, Ellis, don't do it. Don't. And he's like, (laughs) oh dear. Yes. Um, What about, what about shows? Do you have any favorite shows? What's kind of your family's? Gather around the TV at Christmas time. Well, um, there were a lot of weird rules where I grew up. <laughs> like, we couldn't watch The Sound of Music. I was deep into my 40s before I knew I had ever seen The Sound of Music from start to finish. Finish? <laughs> finish. Um, because my mom didn't like the Nazis, so... <laughs> Well, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's the point of the fucking movie, but <laughs> I don't know. She didn't like the Nazis. And so there were some Christmas rolls, too. We did watch It's a Wonderful Life, and, you know, I have... You mentioned that that's not your favorite. No, it's not. And, you know, I should probably lighten up on a lot of that stuff, but um, there's a version of It's a Wonderful Life that has Marlo Thomas and Wayne Rogers in it that I actually like. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is it's funny. she's the Jimmy Stewart character. <laughs> that is funny. So, but I watch anything with Wayne Rogers. You know, both of my children uh, were involved in dance, and when I was younger, I danced. But you know, I really like dance, and so we've Given always that tried. You just said dance like seventeen times in a row, and I'll say it seventeen more. <laughs> tone. <laughs> yeah, you got some tone. <laughs> But um, my mom didn't like the Nutcracker. I don't know why. But we've taken the kids to see the Nutcracker a couple of different times. And um, that's that's a lovely thing to do because we get dressed up. You do a little fancy. You go see the ballet. You feel like you're cultured. You know, and then you get in the car and you listen to John Denver. So it all balances out. Um, I have to say the uh, Muppets Christmas with John Denver, <laughs> one of my favorites. One of my favorites. I love John Denver, and I'm not ashamed of it anymore. (laughs) That's fair. What about you? Um, You know, I'd mentioned uh, Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey Mm -hmm. was one that as a kid really hit me in the feels. Um, But those those classics like uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town where you have the stop motion Mm -hmm. Fred Astaire. I mean, you just you've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the stop motion Burl Ives. I love Burl Ives voice. Right, right. And Frosty. uh, uh, You know, that's I mean, you you have Jimmy Durant, Mm -hmm. um, but it's that one's never been. I like that one. It is good. I like it. And of course, you know, the Peanuts, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Of course. And I have to tell you, my all time favorite Christmas album ever. Is that guy? Is Vince Guaraldi and uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yes. I have given that, well, back when CDs were a thing, I have given... Kids, for those of you that don't know, (laughs) CDs used to be these little plates that had music on them. And for those who also don't know, CDs also used to be a safe investment that actually made you money. (laughs) Two different things, though. Two different things. Um... But yeah, I, it was a that was a kind of a go to gift for mm-hmm. for uh, close acquaintances was uh, was that uh, CD. So I also liked from you know back in the olden times, the year without Santa Claus. That's the one with Mr. George Heat Miser. And... I don't know. It's Mr. Heat Miser, and then the the winter guy. Mm-hmm. And if you follow TikTok, there's been a lot of trends in the last year of people doing one side of makeup of 
Mr. Heatmiser, and the other one with the cold guy, and it's exceptional. That is funny. I'll have to check that out because that's not that show's not ringing a bell. Um, and then, of course, you know, you you have um, all of the Christmas classic songs, mm-hmm. which I am a huge fan of. I don't know that you're much of a fan of Christmas music. I like Christmas music. Uh, my favorite. I don't know if, if you call it a hymn. Does him do do church songs count? Oh, of course. It's the fall on your knees and hear the angel voices. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Okay, that's not what it's called. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay much attention in church. I'm just there for the show. You're just waiting to be struck by lightning yes. when you walk in. <laughs> and I also, um, <laughs> when I was in college, I was. Working full-time and going to school full-time, and I was very tired during finals. And um, I was driving from just taking a final, going to work, and the little drummer boy was on the radio. And I think it was the first time I ever paid attention to the words. Mm-hmm. And I was bawling my face off. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> if you listen to it and... I'm like, oh my God, he didn't have anything else to give him. <laughs> We are not editing that out. As a matter of fact, I'm going to cut that clip out and just add it in randomly. So, Oh Holy Night, I think, is the song you were thinking of. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. um, But no, A Little Drummer Boy is great. I have a Christmas album that um, it was one that my parents had. And I I can't even think of who it is, but it's a a children's choir. Mm -hmm. And the very first song on it is Little Drummer Boy. Oh, God. And it is, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely wonderful. Somewhere along the way in my infinite genius, Uh probably when CDs became big, Mm -hmm. I decided I don't need vinyl anymore, get rid of it all. And uh, over the last several years, I have been spending... unnecessary amounts of money recreating <laughs> those uh those records that i let get away and that was one of them that i, I was able to find oh on. you did find I did. it i found it used and uh it came in and came in in one piece sounded great um and i've, I've got about a half a dozen other records that i've had to do that with so the moral really of the story funny. is throw nothing away Right. Nothing. Somewhere in between, throw nothing away and keep everything is a happy medium. (laughs) I would not know where that is. Another Christmas movie I really like is Home Alone. Because um, That is good. My grandma, when she was older, couldn't hear very well at all. And so there were a lot of things that she couldn't enjoy that we would watch. Or, you know, conversations. It's hard... When you're blind, you get cut off from things. When you can't hear, you get cut off from people. So Home Alone has so many visual tricks and, you know, with him setting up all the traps and everything like that. You don't really have to hear what's going on. So she really enjoyed that movie and would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And another reason why Christmas Vacation is one of my favorite movies is my dad's family was over my mom's mom was there. We were getting ready to put Christmas vacation in. And my grandma, dead ass serious, asks, is this a porno? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because 
that's what families <laughs> do at Christmas? I'm not sure where she was parked at when she asked that question. Had she been in the eggnog already? We all looked at Everybody was just stunned into silence. was like, God damn, Grandma. <laughs> oh, wow. She came in hot. She did come in hot. Wow. How about a Christmas story? Is that the you shoot your you'll shoot your eye out? You, yes, you keep asking that. It's, it's actually called a Christmas story, and the song's also called Holy Night. Oh, okay, Holy Night! Okay. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't study enough for today's podcast. Yes, oh, I like that. And you know, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't really get indoctrinated to that um, until I was probably in my thirties, and. Um, I watched it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, you know, you've got that department store scene, which is, I mm-hmm. think, set in the 50s, mm-hmm. but it just reminded me of my childhood in the <laughs> 70s. Yes. Right? And, you know, it was only 20 years apart. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just so much about it that is so funny. I was terrified of Santa when I was little. Were you really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I'd talk a good game and so- I'd get in line, it'd be my turn, and I'd be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> Oh, so what about, like, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I don't like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's because why? Uh, the Grinch is so mean. But he's better at the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> For those of you, spoiler alert. apologize that we're ruining a 60-year-old Christmas film. Um, No, I don't. It's too mean. Oh, my God. You don't mind being mean to me. <laughs> well, it's Lord. different when I'm driving the bus. <laughs> And of course, one of my favorites is, and I and I understand why you don't like it. It's a Wonderful Life. It actually was pretty well panned when it came out um, for I think a lot of the same reasons why you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And that's the fact that you kind of feel like it's this forced emotion, right? It's it seems manipulative to me. And and I I am quick to throw that card out too on movies um, and greeting cards for that matter. Oh yeah. Um, but in it, it, my interpretation of it is just different. I, I, I love Donna Reed. You know, I think last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, we talked about uh, Nick at Night uh-huh. and how oh, yeah. it had the old shows. Well, Donna Reed show was one of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge Jimmy Stewart fan. Mm-hmm. And... Me too. I really like. I like both of them. It's just. And maybe it's because I'm so sad when the pharmacist hits him in the ear and his ear starts to bleed. Mr. Gower. And it's just very, ups- I mean, there's some of it that's really upsetting. And I, I don't know. Okay, well, uh, let's let's face facts. There's a lot of the holidays that's just really upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, there are some newer ones, some newer classics. Elf is a, a fan of, my kids are a fan of, of Elf. That has um, the great Ed Asner in it. It does. It does. Also really has the great Bob Newhart. I know Bob Newhart's in it. And also has Will Ferrell, who is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some others. Oh, by the way, we would love to hear from you about what your favorites are. Oh, yeah. I've gotten some responses. Let, oh, you talk for a little bit, and I'll see what I can find. Excellent. Excellent. Um, how about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Okay, my mom loves that movie so much. It's Steve Martin and John Candy. What is not to love? I, I mean, know. John Candy, what a tragic loss, so young. For um, sure. But we're, I, I think, so fortunate to still have Steve Martin because that guy is funny, funny, funny. I think we talked about the inappropriate 
uh, Steve Martin album that we both listened oh to my as gosh. young kids. <laughs> that is so funny. And I would, you know, like, it was my brother's record well, album. So Same. It was my brother's He well. was He was listening to it. And, you know, I'm all sneaky in my closet, like, trying to listen to it. And there's a part on it where he's like, my my girlfriend just taking singing lessons, and they said to sing from your diaphragm. He's like, I don't even know how you can do that. <laughs> and at the time, I was I was well before knowing what diaphragms were, either the one in your chest or the also, birth control, <laughs> the one further south. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh my god, that's brilliant! Exactly, uh, Miracle on 34th Street is a is a big favorite of mine. I like to watch that usually the Wednesday before Thanksgiving if I can. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Is, oh, I love that. I do too. I every year I make sure that I watch that. Sometimes Hello Kitty's in it. Oh, Have you seen her balloon? No. It's so wonderful. Oh my god! And again, a Hello Kitty encrusted <laughs> business card holder. What professional doesn't need one of those? <laughs> Shut up. So, have you have you found what you're looking for yet? I have, I have. Um, so, Connie from Memphis says that as far as Christmas movies, Christmas Vacation gets me every time. But my all-time favorite always has, always will be White Christmas. Oh, that is an excellent, excellent movie. She says, I dare you not to tear up when General Waverly sees his former soldiers come on the stage. The clothes, the dancing, Rosemary Clooney, all of it. Yes. So thank you, Connie, for sending us that. Um, okay, so I've got to look this up real quick. Do you have some others to talk about while I do this? Well, Connie also waxed enthusiastic about Smokey the Bandit. So Smokey the Bandit. So Well, that's not a Christmas movie, but it is one of your favorites. <laughs> no, but we think she has ex- exceptional taste. So that is true. <laughs> that is true. And she also talked about... Let me pull this back up again. Okay, while you do that, let me just... Real quick, she talks about White Christmas. The song, Irving Berlin's White Christmas, was actually originally sung by Bing Crosby in the movie Holiday Inn in 1942. Right. Then came the movie White Christmas in the early 50s, if I remember right. Um, interestingly enough, there are a few aspects of Holiday Inn that did not age well at all. Yes, I'm familiar. So for, for people who may be unfamiliar with it and who may want to go and watch it, I just want you to remember, you've got to remember the context. You've got to remember the era. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying you you can't judge an entire movie based upon something that was done in there that absolutely should not have been yes, done. Yes, and thank God we've evolved from there. Right, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, again, a fantastic movie. You had... Uh, you had uh, Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, Virginia Dale, Marjorie Reynolds, the, some just phenomenal actors. And think also about the time, 1942, we are in the throes of World War II at that point. Yeah, Bing Crosby really did a lot of like comforting, like he's sort of Jimmy Stewart without being Jimmy Stewart. Um, Kind of Jimmy Stewart, perhaps, with a mean streak. Yeah, because I, I I remember finding that out after he passed away. And that, I'm like, oh, sadness. I know, that, that seemed very sad. So Connie also talked about, um, we've actually talked about this before, uh, the movie Jagged Edge. It's a thriller from the 80s. It has Jeff Bridges, Glenn Close, it. Robert Loggia. Right. R, as in Robert. <laughs> <laughs> o, as in, oh my God, it's Robert Loggia. 
Um, and then she says Raising Arizona, which is a Coen Brothers film, which is just hysterical and has one of the greatest lines in cinema, which is, son, you got a panty on your head. <laughs> <laughs> tube of panties. Yep, tube of panties. So, um, is that is that, oh, we just had one person tell us well, about their Well, we had, other people, we had other people reach out, but she's the one that... Um, She's the one you agree with, so no, you're read that's it. not true. She's the one that talked the most about the Christmas movies. So, and, Connie, thank you so much. Oh um, God, yes, absolutely. Private message you your address so I can send you a sticker. Yes, please. What else you got? What else do I got? I got nothing. I thought you said other people messaged us. Well, other people messaged us, but it was they were saying hateful things. No, they were saying very positive oh, things. Excellent. We don't. I mean, we don't want to be obnoxious <laughs> and read that on the air. No, 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 no. I thought maybe we had other people who were talking about uh, Christmas movies. So reach out to us. It's the, it's going to be the Christmas season for a while. For those of you that don't like it, it's going to last longer than you want it to. Right. It started in my neighborhood on November the sixth. So <laughs> I thought that was a little aggressive. <laughs> So it's aggressive. I was threatened to within an inch of my life if I changed the music in the office to Christmas a second before Thanksgiving. I was able, I'm happy to report, I was able to negotiate the day before Thanksgiving. Ah, okay. Well, um, every year for the last couple of years, one of my favorite podcasts, The Date with Dateline, introduced me to the concept of the Mariah Carey Geddon and Whamageddon. Which is if you hear uh, the Wham song, the Christmas song mm-hmm. by Wham, mm-hmm. you're out. See if you can make it a whole Christmas season without hearing it. The same for oh, no Marie. I did it once. Well, then you didn't listen to anything on the radio. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and when I came into the office, I had my headphones in at all times. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not interested. I don't mind the... I actually don't mind either of those, but I do understand why people make it. It's just a fun thing to kind of do. Right, so... And it doesn't count if you wham your friends. You can't, like, send it to them and, you know, it it all has to be organic. That's fair. So, all right, last week we dropped two episodes for you. This week you only get the one. That's right. Just one. We're We're stingy. We are trying to get back on track. We're not stingy. We're not scroogey. We're just... Trying to get back on track and schedule things again. Um, all right. Anything else? Or are we done? Well, I think that we had talked um, about what we we're going to cover next time, the last time. Which we which may or may not do. We called an audible you. on that and did this, but we were going to talk about food insecurity. So look forward to uh, discussion on that right all right, before let's Thanksgiving. Let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving in general. And, and you know, I think it's... Uh, I, I think we can talk about some of those traditions. So sure. if you have some fun Thanksgiving or holiday traditions, email Stephanie at Stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com or you can email the podcast at anodpod at weekendmediagroup.com. And we'll talk about that. And we will be happy to share some of those. Um, also, you have this thing about five-star reviews and sending them to us if yes. we do something. If you could and you've enjoyed this program, please go to um, iTunes and subscribe to us, give us five-star rating, and leave a review. If you take a screenshot of that and send it to me um, with your address, I will send you a sticker. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and Facebook. Also, I don't know what else I was going to say. I got lost in the weeds. Okay, well, those were pretty thin weeds. Um, The first three, four, five people who do that will send you a coffee mug. Yes, coffee um, mug. But it, it has to be a positive review. If you don't like us, that's fine. 
perhaps keep it to yourself. Right. Carry on. <laughs> Do not hate. Listen to us. Exactly. You are not forced to be here. Oh, there are a great many things I dislike about myself. I just ignore them and move on. One of the things you said was you were going to go over I've those numbers right again. Here. Okay. I don't need don't to be tone. By you. Tone. Good Lord. This is how he talks to me. It, this is what. Well, this is really how we've talked to each other for the better part of forty years. <laughs> So, Welcome. All right. Again, and in all seriousness, um, let's keep an eye out on each other. The holidays are a difficult time for a lot of people. We see a lot of suicidal ideation during this time of year. You cannot be afraid to talk about this subject. Again, if you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, if they're in crisis, bordering on crisis, or you are concerned for, uh, for veterans, and I am sure anybody can call this number, but the Veterans Crisis Line is at 1-800-273-8255, press option 1. You can text to 838-255 or chat online at veteranscrisisline.net slash chat. Um, other resources for everyone include the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-255, or you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741, or visit speakingofsuicide.com slash resources to find some educational materials that you may find very helpful. I would encourage everybody to visit speakingofsuicide.com just to help to educate yourself on some things that you may not have known about suicide. Um, that uh, young age group, that 18 to 34 that we talked about, are an at-risk group. For that particular age group, if I remember my statistics correctly, the time from thought of suicide to fatal act is less than five minutes for around 53% of that age group. Um, there are some other statistics. I think next year we're going to, we've, we've been kind of trying to plan out some episodes and I know we've got an episode keyed up for next year when the FCC releases the three-digit number that will get folks to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. In the meantime, though, again, 800-273-8255. For all of you, understand and remember, you are loved, you are strong, and you matter. For our listeners, we are grateful for you. We love you as well. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. We love you. Be well and stay safe.